Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. All right, so today we are very excited to talk about Jurassic Park. We are, there is a lot I feel like we could both say probably about yes. this book, um, maybe good and bad for us at least, <laughs> maybe good and bad is subjective, but um, we are going to try to limit ourselves a little bit in this episode because we have our very first $5 writing class coming up in just a couple of days, and we will dive in in that class to Jurassic Park. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we can learn from Jurassic Park with a little more emphasis on the, the movie, yes. um, but we'll hit on the book as well a little bit. The things that we can learn from as a story, as storytellers from this. So we Absolutely. would love for you to join us in that. It will be a little more um, discussion-based and, and just fun. It is, yeah. <laughs> we'll have a great time. But for today, we're going to talk just a little bit about Jurassic Park, the book, which yes. neither of us had read before this. And I will just say, I learned a lot from this book. I think yes. it has a lot to teach us. It was good. Well done. It was not for me. <laughs> yes. can, can I give an introduction to the book? Because I think yeah. the context of the book helps give us that needed kind of grounding in what this book is. It was released in 1990. It was workshopped about seven times. He started out basically buying dinosaurs for his little daughter when she, you know, his wife was pregnant and he was like, why is there a connection between kids and dinosaurs? Mm. He originally wrote it from the viewpoint of a child. He wrote that, rewrote it, rewrote it, submitted it to anyone who would look at it. No one wanted it. Is this so, his debut then? No, um, he oh, okay. had done, he had done other science fiction thrillers. Yeah. I think one had done, uh, had been on a virus of some uh-huh. form. And so finally, like, I think it was around the seventh rejection, they were told that we don't want this from the viewpoint of a kid. We want this from the viewpoint of adults. Mm -hmm. And so it took a hard turn from a kid's viewpoint story to horror. And it went full in. (laughs) But what's interesting is, and I think this is important as we talk about Jurassic Park, Spielberg had heard it pitched originally as the idea of a little kid's viewpoint of Jurassic Park, which is why Jurassic Park, the movie reads differently than the book. When you see it, it has a lot more wonder and a lot more, you have moments of this enjoyment of the park before it all goes crazy. (laughs) And this one, it's not, it doesn't have that, those same moments of wonder. I think that's really interesting. I didn't realize all of that. And I think it, it is a really good example of suspense. Like he does suspense in this book so so well and yes. particularly that kind of suspense where the audience know and the reader knows something that the characters don't there are multiple yes. times where he gives the reader this little glimpse of something or he gives the reader some information or he gives the reader he shows the reader the stakes <laughs> like yes i mean for for example like the um with the spitting dinosaurs when they kill the like computer guy or Dennis he, Nedry. yeah we hear their hooting sound he Mm -hmm. shows them then kill this computer guy and then like chapters later 
when Dr. Grant and the kids, like this isn't at all part of the movie, but Dr. Grant and the kids then hear this hooting sound yes. and then he cuts it right there. And you're like, as the reader, you know what that hooting sound means and you know what's coming Yes, um, because he's already showed it to you because he showed you the stakes and revealed it. And it's exactly the Hitchcock quote that we've talked about you know, multiple times, I feel like this month that showing the audience, the bomb under the table and the the characters go on about their conversation. Like they have no idea. And that kind of thing was done so, so, so well in this book, but it was so dry. Like that was my biggest, it's so dry. Like there is zero emotion. And the characters are really just there to represent a thing. Like they aren't well-developed. They're not beyond their superficial skins. I wonder, as I read it, I'm like, is that purposeful? Because there's so much theme. Like this carries so much theme. Almost to the level of being preachy a little. Right? Well, (laughs) Ian Malcolm, it's funny because I did some research also on like why he wrote this. And someone else thought that Ian Malcolm, the way, the reason why he gets away with doing so many like soliloquies <laughs> is because it's literally what Michael Crichton is saying to us. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, he is his mouthpiece. Yes. And you look over it and you're like, there's this entire, like it's supposed to be oh, yeah, it's like a whole page a right. of a speech yeah. on why, but he's not, he's not wrong, but no. And it works. It works. It doesn't, it doesn't come off like it borders right on that level of preachy or or too much, but it still works because this character is so like that. Like he sets this character up (laughs) as this kind of like know-it-all who's going to like tell you everything he wants to tell you. Um, Actually, (laughs) that is one, like, obviously it would be very differently received. I think nowadays, (laughs) like I, there were parts of it that I'm like, this would never make the cut. It goes into like the dragging out of the being tense and not knowing if someone's alive or if you just witnessed them die. Like he goes on 50 pages beyond like where it happened. And you're like, is that person alive? Which is in some ways great because it gets you turning pages. It's that suspense heightened, but it's also so annoying. (laughs) Absolutely. I think there's a mid- place like again and we've talked about dune before in the same way that it's something that you look at to get these tools and and it's like oh it's up to 11 when it comes to that it's like it pushed it over the edge (laughs) sometimes in certain places where I'm like I can't even sleep because I don't know where the raptors are and for some reason no one is checking like what are these idiots doing but that I think is also part of the inside joke that is the story is Mm. control it's about yes you can't have control and even if you think you have control you don't really and then all these little micro problems just snowball over time because the point is that they never could have controlled this there never would be a situation in which they would be able to it's just completely untenable the thought that they could create and you know withhold life life finds a way like it's gonna break on through (laughs) I think I can appreciate where he's coming from as much as it drove me nuts (laughs) yeah no I I think that's exactly right like I felt like it was the kind of book I could appreciate a lot and there was a lot to learn from it and you're right about like I think that you're absolutely right with the theme of control there and he does such a good job of setting up even at the very beginning in that like 
introduction where he gives these little short sections of like little things that are going on all over the place and all the little ways that things are going wrong, all the little ways that something's slipping through in a really natural way. Like someone, you know, just makes an assumption or someone forgets to do something or someone's on vacation and, and things just get out of control so quickly. Like, so he paints such a great picture of how that can happen um, and how little control there is over anything. Yeah. But I feel like my biggest complaint with it, honestly, was that like the, that emotional level, and it wasn't even just that the characters weren't developed. It was that they didn't care about each other or have emo- like mm-hmm. connections to each other. Even ones that you would have assumed like, <laughs> like, oh, what's his name? Hammond and, and his yeah. grandkids. Like he really doesn't spend very much time at all worrying about his grandkids. He yeah. barely cares about them. And, you know, like Do- Dr. Grant, like tries to take care of the kids, but most of the people and the characters on the island don't have any relationship to each other. They're basically strangers, maybe work colleagues. And that's like the extent of it. And so they don't, there's not that like care and concern. And like, I care about this person. I need to make sure they're okay. And so I didn't, I feel like that's what I need in a book in order for me to care about a character. I need to see other characters caring about them. And when (laughs) I don't see that, then it's really hard for me to connect to them or care about them. And really the only two that actually had an established yeah. rapport was Ellie and Dr. Grant and yeah. they separated them for so long. So, yeah. They're basically, and, and, and it's like not, an I mean, choice. I really think that was a good choice in the movie was making them actually a couple because in the book yes. they yes. are just like work colleagues and she's his student and like not, there's, you know, like yeah. there, there's some concern and some relationship there, but it's not a very strong tie yes. at all. Well, and the other thing that they did well was the conflict with the kids is yes. he did not like kids. Like, <laughs> Which makes that entire, he is stuck with these kids. He has seen someone else run out on them and he has to be there for them. That makes it so interesting because it's like, he's trying to find a way to be present for them. Yes. When that's not his natural state. Yeah. And I think that that choice in the movie because in the book he likes kids he's fine with kids in in the movie he doesn't and so then he has to you know rise to the occasion but it also gives the movie a character arc which the book doesn't really have at all there's no character arcs nobody changes (laughs) yeah but i think again that's a purposeful choice yes because everyone is judged for what they do yes And anyone who's found wanting ends up dead on this island without remorse. He shows no mercy. (laughs) None at all. It does feel like it's very purposeful who he decides is found wanting. And I thought some of the choices were very surprising ones based on having seen the movie. And then I'm like, well, actually, that made perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah, in the book, it does. Like, And that's another example, though, too, of a a choice that I think worked really well to communicate theme, but did yes. not work well to get me to care about the yes. characters <laughs> because yes. the characters I didn't like all died. And the ones I did like survived and I knew they were going to survive. But I don't yeah. know. Does that make sense? Like, Oh, absolutely. There was like, one character that I cared about yeah. that dies in the movie that I'm like, I really hope he survives. And he did. And yeah. I'm like, yay. Like, yeah. It felt like a hollow victory though. Yes. Like I want, I feel like in that kind of a thriller in order to really care, I want to care about the characters and I want to like cry when they die. I want to feel like yeah. sad that someone, but I, I felt like in this one, I was like almost cheering. When, like, yeah. And and I definitely agree with you. I don't think this is, this is not one. If you want to really talk about the emotional investment, yes. like if you really want to talk about caring about these characters, what it does so well is like 
engage your like fight or flight. Like I was so engaged from that visceral, his descriptions are, he uses so many, is it onomatopoeia where it's Uh the word is the sound and where you're like, I don't want to be in this space, but I feel like I'm like standing right next to this person. And I don't want to be next to this person because I know what it's about to happen. And he did that. Yeah. So well, like the choice even of whose head we're in. Mm-hmm. He did a little head hopping. I, I, I will let it pass. <laughs> uh, not my favorite. Yeah. But he did choose viewpoint very well. It was well very intentional. To, yeah, keep that yes. tension, that suspense, that feeling of fear. Yes. Right. At that and point he changed 11. viewpoints really often, yes. which I actually really loved. It almost gave you that sense of like when you're watching a movie and the camera lens changes and you get right. this like different perspective. And there were times when it like went on too long without returning to the same one, yes. <laughs> but I did think it was really, I liked those short sections and that That's kept it. this really clippy pace. Um, and I think you're exactly right about that visceral, like he didn't give us a lot of what the characters were feeling, but he gave us a lot of description about what they were doing, which does tell yes. us a lot of, or show us a lot about their feelings. But I don't know, like I wanted a little more emotion. I like a little yeah. more emotion in my yeah. stuff. We got their thoughts. We got like what they, it was very heady. We got what they thought and yes. then we got in very body, like very much like we got what their body was doing, what they were hearing in the space or seeing in the space or yeah. smelling in the space, you know, this dinosaur breath right in that, you know, like very visceral. And that was very well done. It was kind of missing the soul though. Yes. Like, it, it was it was like, I know exactly how painful this is. Yes. But like I don't need that. I can imagine how painful yes. this is. But again, I do think that was something that probably kept that pace very high. And yeah. for really, I mean, it is dense at points. Yeah, it's a big book. And there are times when I'm like, oh, that didn't read very quickly. And yes. usually it was like the science. It's very well. You can tell he did yeah. a lot of research and he wants so to well in there. Yep. He's like, it's coming in. I took all yeah. this time. But then like in certain parts, it would just fly by and yeah. you'd be like, wait, what did he do right there? Because I want to figure it out so I can, can learn like how he did that. His time dilation was fascinating mm-hmm. to think of when he sped it up when he slowed it down, like he had a ticking clock, which, yeah. I thought that was brilliant actually. And I was kind of surprised that like, that was an element that I felt like the movie probably should have added even. Yeah. I mean, the movie moves plenty fast, so it's not really a problem. I see maybe why they didn't, but I loved the addition yes. of the ticking clock. Like they have to get there before these dinosaurs arrive on the mainland. Yes. And we know what that will mean. Like, <laughs> we can't let that happen. And so you do that, that I cared about and I wanted to see it them stop that- it. The entire like getting to the control room yeah. felt like it was 30 to like 55 seconds that took like 30 pages. Yes. And somehow yes. like, it jumped and went all these places. And I'm like, just get there. I, I was a total wreck, <laughs> <laughs> which showed that he did, he did yes. his job. It was <laughs> right there. Yeah, I agree that the whole climax really read really quickly and fast and engaging and was like ah they gonna do it or not and I think from remembering that like having all of those different areas as he did the superior position when you knew that all of a sudden something was about to happen like 
in the in the nest (laughs) where you're like oh no like all of a sudden you have a piece of information and it just you could feel it coming through when all of a sudden you realize what is about to happen or what could happen and I just thought that a lot of that was masterful I totally agree so orchestrated I think Mm -hmm. right from that you would have something release and then you would have the next thing even though it didn't feel formulaic yeah it it Mm -hmm. was like now's the Yes. like the lights are on but now we have this to worry about yeah um, which was really it really kept that investment yes. it has this ever increasing like ever increasing tension like one problem and then another problem and then another problem and another problem and a bigger problem and it's just like one thing after another and these little releases of that but those releases got shorter and shorter and you know are less and less um of a release as it went on which I thought was really well done kind of the the last thing that I was thinking of is really like it's interesting because a lot of people are like oh it's science fiction but he's like you know it's speculative (laughs) like we don't think that dinosaurs are coming back but it really felt like it was this cautionary tale of being aware of where our choices can lead us from a consequences standpoint like I think he's said out in the public (laughs) that he wanted it to be something that basically people who are making these decisions about bio choices, you know, genetics, that they consider what the result is. And I think from that perspective, I'm like, well, success, like (laughs) you did well with that. I feel like maybe he even had it in there multiple times, but kind of that line of um, like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I feel like that was really what he was trying to communicate is this our choices have consequences and being able to do something doesn't mean that it should happen or you should do it. Yeah, and I think you're right. It does that really well. It reminded me a bit of Stephen King in the style and which I also have a problem with or have yeah. trouble reading too. So, but there's a lot to learn there. They're from Stephen King too. Like I, I just feel like it was a great book for um, studying the craft and certain elements of the craft, maybe not other elements of the craft. Yes. <laughs> Either way, it taught me something. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we will stop there and we will talk more about Jurassic Park at the $5 writing class. So check the website. You can um, sign up there and join us for our live class. It will be recorded. So if you're listening to this after the fact, you can also download it yeah, afterwards, but we would love for you to join us live. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll leave us a review that helps other people find us. And we hope that you keep reading all kinds of different things (laughs) and learning from those things that you read. Keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world. Mm